What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. It's episode 63, and uh, I've I wanted to do this one for a hot minute, uh, and I just, I kind of never really struck me to reach out quite uh, quite yet until I had done the podcast with uh, ETN1Gonzalez. And uh, based on some of the reactions I got, it, it like I was like, okay, I, I, need to, I need to talk to this person. So I finally reached out to the... Uh, the overlords of the reactor is critical. Uh, it's a started out as a meme page and has developed into a little bit more than that. As far as like, just like a, they call it a hub for uh, nukes in the Navy, basically where it's a place to interact a community based thing where they can, you know, I mean re- everything from reach out to help for help. It's there's like pride stuff. They sell some, some gear and just like, it gives them a place to vent, discuss whatever it's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, it's really interesting just because of the, the very loyal and large following that they have. Um, and it's also interesting to me because of the conversation I had with ETN one developed into some other things on Reddit, which I, I mentioned in, in the podcast, just some interactions I had, um, where, it just made me want to understand even more the plight of junior enlisted nuclear trained personnel in the Navy and, and how they, from my experience anyway, a lot of times they end up very angry, very bitter. Uh, they feel kind of like betrayed or like out on a windy corner by themselves, not taken care of, often neglected, etc. And it like always kind of confused me. Uh, as to how they ended up there. And it's not everybody. It's not. I'm just there's I've encountered it enough to want to try to figure out what's going on there. It's definitely I've definitely met a whole bunch of just very awesome, level headed, very motivated nukes. I'm not attacking, obviously, anyone. It's just like I'm not and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the community at all. But there's this unique stress that they encounter and only they encounter. And it's like it's hard for me to understand it because I haven't experienced it. And that's kind of what we got into. We talked about a lot of those things, some leadership stuff, but took a, took a long time to painstakingly explain to, uh, to me basically like where nukes start and, and the entire process from a, a to Z of, of them joining, going through all of the training that they do, which is like the first two years they're in the Navy is all just school and learning how to be a nuke on a submarine or a carrier or whatever. And then, uh, then what the big transition and the uh, complete shift that happens, uh, when they get onto a ship. So got to have this discussion, uh, with Wayne and it was, I loved it. I had a really great time. We talked a bunch after, uh, we stopped recording and, uh, really, really great perspective. And I hope you guys enjoy this. Check it out. Sorry, oh, I'm recording. God. Oh no, five months. <laughs> five months w- of beard growth. God I damn it. went on a deployment. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was pretty much a fast boat deployment beard. Um, all right. So I'm recording. You should see it on your end. You should see a waveform. Okay. All right, dope. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do things a little backwards, uh, based on the scathing criticism on Reddit that I got about my inability to conduct an interview effectively. So we'll talk about the kind of the deep down like details of the origin story of the reactor is critical at the probably towards the end. Um, but just to get us jump started so people know who I'm talking to in as much detail as you're comfortable with, just give me kind of your background and experience and then we'll go from there. Hey, so I am Wayne. I am the uh, original founder of the reactor is critical. I uh, started off as kind of a social media page for nukes and over the past couple of years, it's evolved into more of a community hub and slash small business. 
Uh, I've been in the Navy for about eight, nine years, something like that. And yeah, that's, uh, I think, all you really need to know. Yeah. And yeah, so, so sub nuke, right? This is a specific as we yeah. Okay. So, um, so I've been following you guys for like, pro- I mean, a hot minute, like, and I, for, for the people listening, I am what submariners affectionately call a coner. Uh, I am not a nuke, obviously. Um, but I think that just the page in and of itself is hilarious. And a lot of the comedy is like aimed at either like coners or not nukes or just the nuclear experience, which on the outside looking in, I, I have my under as much of an understanding of it as I can, because I've always been curious about it. And a lot of my best friends are nukes without having actually experienced it. And so it's something that I'm like, I'm super interested in understanding better. Uh, it's it's one of those things I'm, I'm going to constantly claw at it until I, f- I feel like I've gotten there, which I probably won't because I didn't actually experience it myself. Well, but. you know, it's never too late to re-rate if uh, ah, you're looking for that. It <laughs> is. I am way too old for that. They tried, man. They tried real hard because I'm one of those weird cooks in the Navy that has a really high ASVAB score and passed the advanced placement exam and all that other crap. They tried real hard. But yeah, I just, for whatever reason, wasn't having it. So um, Yeah, so uh, yeah, man, trick it's it's an interesting experience i love being the guy who gets to make nuke smile yeah like uh you know the entire reason i'm on this podcast and doing this interview right now is because well nukes are kind of bitter like across the fleet like this is (laughs) this is a known status quo like see some dude who like hasn't shaved in like one and a half days hair's kind of messy covered in carbon dust that's probably a sub nuke electrician and he's probably depressed as fuck yeah and and i dude i i what prompted me to reach out to you, which I like, I don't know why I didn't think about it sooner. Cause I love, I love you guys' page, but it was that this exchange I had on Reddit, I just interviewed a, a nuke ET. That's a buddy of mine from my last boat. Cause he does music and it was just an interesting dude. So I want to talk to him about that. And then I was like, Hey, let's talk about your enlisted nuke experience as well, because it's something I'm so interested in. And then I, based on, I post the episodes to Reddit because I hate myself. So I'm, I'm like, let me see like what people think. And I get a lot of really awesome feedback and I've gotten connected with a bunch of amazing people through that. But I got this really, I got feedback basically on that. I'm an idiot that can't do an interview, which is probably true. And that's fine. Um, but I, I, I asked for some more feedback and then it turned into this like really raw emotional, like expression about being an enlisted nuke on an aircraft carrier, which has, she, I, I'm assuming it's a she just based on the screen name. It says uh, I'm not even going to put it out there, but it's uh, it was a it was like shocking to me, like what was written and then they deleted it. And um, I, I'm, I tried I just via that exchange. I'm probably going to private message what I, again, I assume is a her and see if I can convince her to come on and talk to me still. I don't think it's going to work, but like I'm going to try anyway. But it's well, uh, uh, you know, I, I would like to give you a word of caution here, right? Um, I think every nuke listening to this can say there are moments where you are just broken down. You get yeah, home, right. it is, the work has kicked your out in more ways than you mm-hmm. can possibly express. Yeah. And on Trick, there have been a few times where uh, we've come really close into like tapping into that bitterness. And I, I just want to put that out there. That's not something you want to encourage. And I think that is a big problem that we okay. have in the new community is that we are more than willing to let people complain all the time. And I'm not saying those complaints aren't valid because in a lot of ways they totally are. Yeah. I'm saying 
it usually doesn't make the problem any better. Okay. I was, yeah, because I'm, I'm trying to create a place where the hard conversations happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to talk about all the stuff that doesn't get talked about on the boat or that, like, that big Navy's afraid to kind of really have a conversation about. Like, like they, there's, like, efforts that are official, like, mechanisms to try to address the thing that don't really. And, yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, I want to put this out there, like, it's not that naval reactors or, you know, the, the guys in the upper chain of command don't care about enlisted mm-hmm. nukes. I really yeah. don't think that is the case, at least at least from my experience. Do I think leadership at times is ill-equipped to deal with uh, the problems nukes face? Do I think yeah. sometimes there's a bit of a disparity between what needs to happen versus what is happening? Yes, of course. But on that, you know, same token, right? People are trying. We're just not at the goalpost yet. And so on that note, I I think we should probably do a deep dive into where do nukes come from? How are they made? Oh, yeah. And what the fuck happens to them to make them so (laughs) bitter, like at the end of their sea tours? Yeah, you asked almost every question that I have in that vein. So let's do it, man. I'm I'm super interested in like, yeah, also stepping through that looking glass. So, yeah, I mean, I like so I, I have like a rough kind of a rough sketch. It's just like first, like I've always kind of been curious and like just starting at the beginning, like what what exactly happens from like day one, newly re- freshly recruited nuke shows up to nuclear training pipeline. Like okay. what kind of what is some of that stuff like? Wh- like what? Because they're there for so long. A lot of that experience builds their context going into an operational unit. So, well, you know, I actually want to step back. I don't want mm. to start at day one. I want to okay. start at day negative 180. Okay. So where do nukes come from, right? Like, where are we getting these guys? And uh, over the years at Trek, I've occasionally put out surveys asking people why they joined the Navy, how they got into it. And then, of course, you know, I've talked to a shit ton of nukes and talked mm. to them about how did you get into this job? Yeah. And I, I find there are generally three commonalities. Generally, they're really smart dudes. These are the guys who didn't have to study in high school or the girls who didn't have to study in high school. Yeah. They're the people who it all just kind of came naturally. They're sponges, right? But on the flip side, a lot of them tried to make it into college. Mm-hmm. And they found that because they never had to study, they never had to try particularly hard at anything. And for those of you who have yet to go to you know a university and try and get your degree in engineering or something like that, it's kind of a kick in the gut, no matter how smart you are. Right. And so a lot of them were too, uh, you know, I'll just say it undisciplined to make it through university or college right. or whatever the first time through. They party a lot or maybe, you know, they had financial hardships or something of that effect. And they find the the golden path as that has been sold to them by America isn't working out. Yeah. And so they're a prime target for recruiters, and that's how you get these guys. And I would like to point out, this isn't everyone. This is just something I've noticed. Uh, there is definitely a very significant subsection of nukes I've seen who have joined because they have a strong desire to serve. Yeah. But on, the, on that sense, right, those guys who have that desire to serve, they're not looking, they weren't thinking about being a nuke. They were trying to serve because, you know, they want to do something more akin to the Marine Corps or the army where they're holding guns and sanding, you know, 
Firewatch and going outside of the line and doing all the shit you see in movies. Yeah. And so their desire to serve is uh, very much based in a typical masculine sense. Yeah. And we'll get into how that plays later. So we get these guys recruited. We get them into depth. We give them some money. Bam. Send them to boot camp. And from day one in boot camp, nukes are separated from everybody else. All the special things you can volunteer for in boot camp, like, you know, you want to try out for the special warfare stuff, mm-hmm. you want to try out for going to being on the USS Constitution or whatever the fuck that job is. No. Nukes need not apply. Uh, they get they get through boot camp, usually without any problems. I mean, it's not that fucking hard. Work out, do what is asked of you, wear the uniform, bam, show up at A school. And this is the day one. Right. This is where, even though these guys have now been preconditioned to think I am a nuke and therefore I am special. Yeah. You now show up A school and this is like the real thing. And a lot of these guys come in with, I, I think, high aspirations. Yeah. They're, they're being told from day one of A school, you're the best and the brightest. We're going to have high standards for you. There's this kind of underlying mindset of this pipeline is a filter. It's not a pump, which is kind of ironic given that the attrition rate is, you know, less than 10% all the way through due to academic I, issues. But I was going to say, I've heard quite the opposite from a lot of my buddies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, I'll, 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 I'll elaborate that on a bit more. Okay. You know, they get taught some relatively in-depth theory. I mean, they're not going into, you know, like 400 level physics classes in college or anything, but you mm. know, they get taught a decent amount. And I like to think that in the pipeline, this is where the beginning of the perform or suffer mentality comes into play. So I really want to touch on one of those high points, which is that mindset of, you know, filter versus pump. Mm -hmm. Nukes love to be exclusionary and elitist when it comes to their jobs. (laughs) They, they, they are special. They know it, and they want to let everyone else know it too. And you know, I'm yeah. no exception to that. I'm not going to lie. I was going to say you're making me feel better about some of my like, <laughs> like some of my uh, I don't stereotypical views of nukes. Like, not that, and I and I go out of my way to not be that guy. But it's like I'm also a human being, so it's like I I try really hard to just recognize the human being behind whatever they are. Like because I, I my entire career my I've been like defined by my job title, you know, like, oh, you're just a dumb cook. You don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. And so it's kind of like the same thing where I feel like nukes are, are pigeonholed quite a bit where they're like yeah, it, defined it by a, their It becomes their a part choices. of their identity. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't think there's in, I, I don't think it's a very unique experience in the Navy, but a lot of guys are defined by the yeah. job they did in the Navy. Right. I mean, you look at these dudes who they get out after doing like a four-year contract as, I don't know, uh, an FT or a cook or whatever coners do. I don't know, man. <laughs> Not much. And uh, they're still like liking all these, you know, submarine veterans pages yeah. and, you know, my page and getting in all this stuff, you know, fucking 25 years later, it becomes a integral part of their identity. Yeah. And for nukes, that gets inbred also while they are in the service right like we are our own special program look at us we have a four-star admiral which actually governs all of our stuff you only get a lazy two-star <laughs> uh you know things like that right yeah 
And so throughout this entire time, they're at NMPTC, so just A school and power school, studying in the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. They're being held to, in my opinion, relatively high standards. Uh, a lot of the like the the grade point average, I think they like curve it to be like a three two or something, okay. which is higher than most CTE scores I've seen. Right. And not only that, the questions are more in depth. They're graded more harshly, and they cover a lot more material than continuous training exams. Mm-hmm. We do put baby nukes through the ringer. On top of that, we're making them work out. We're making them learn how to be in the military. I think the pipeline does a relatively good job of that. Yeah. The problem is when we're there in A school and power school, we begin this perform or suffer mentality. Mm-hmm. If you're good that means that you get more freedom. You don't need to spend as much time at work. If you're the guy who naturally gets to put, you know, two hours a weekend and he gets a three, eight on every uh, exam, the, the grading score being, you know, out of four points total. Yeah. Uh, okay. You don't have to do any additional hours and people like your uh, chain of command are only going to like you, not going to worry about you. But if you're the guy who is having trouble understanding the torrent of information that is being thrown at your face, you're now going to be mandated to put in more hours. It's assumed that because you aren't doing well on tests, there is an inherent discipline problem. You aren't trying hard enough. And I think that is uh, kind of the beginning nugget of what is going to end up making nukes so bitter. Is that every fault you have when you are not performing well is due to your personal inability to work harder. Right. I, yeah. I, this kid, I always think of this kid. He's, he was an electrician on one of my boats and I don't like, I clear, clearly he was like one of those book people probably like, or I, I don't know. I honestly don't know how he got through the nuke pipeline. But he was this kid that he FSA'd for me a bunch because he had a bunch of issues qualifying things and staying qualified things. And um, but he was this kid that was like he was like Rudy, man. He was like all heart, like just all he wanted to do was well in the military. He was super like passionate in a cheesy way, but he believed it. You know what I mean? Like he really like was there to serve his country and do something great and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like it was hard not to love this kid unless you were his division. Like, and they like, they ate his soul, man. Like every time I saw him, I would like, Hey man, how you doing? Like, uh, what are you, what are you working on now? And like, he's trying to qualify. And he's just like, just constantly looking at a book and studying and like, or trying to, I mean, half the time he was falling asleep with his face in an RPM, but, um, yeah, yeah man. man. Was, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen that experience, you know, also forward of the watertight door. I knew yeah. a, uh, a cook E2 or E3. Yeah. I don't know. When you're not wearing like chevrons, it's really hard for me to keep track of what your rank is. Yeah, I don't blame that on myself. Okay? <laughs> That's fair. Um, and, you know, this guy, he worked hard. He wanted to know more. He was trying really, really hard to like get the grasp of all the ship systems for yeah. his fish and everything. But um, his science and technical education when he was you know still in school as a civilian was very very lacking Mm -hmm. and so it was really hard for him to get these checkouts because he didn't have like a fundamental understanding of like fluid systems or whatever that a lot of people take for granted and he just got ate alive uh you know i i saw his chief just chew him out in the middle of the p-way for you know, not getting enough checkouts that day. Uh, even though I had been up, you know, on watch over the mid watch, 
and I'd seen this dude like coming back to the engine room asking nukes for help. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Like, yeah. cut this guy a break. He, he's trying. Yeah. He's just yep. dumb. <laughs> yeah. I do that. You're preaching to the choir because, like, I, like, I don't think I'm dumb, but I still had a hard time with all like the engineering and like just the any, anything with the drawing, man. I, like I just was not it's not something that comes naturally to me. I just I'm a worker and I like I'll just work my way through it and no one's going to outwork me. And that's the kind of guy I am. So like took a lot more time and effort for me, but I figured it out. And like the same thing with Chief of the Watch Dive, all that crap, like not something that I ever probably should have been trusted with in real life, but they still let me do it. And it just took me longer than everyone else. I told everybody the whole time, like when I came back in for my dive board, like I finished my dive board as a senior chief. Cause I, on my, I was on a special projects boat and they wouldn't let me qualify dive. Cause I was a cook. It's a long, boring story, but um, I went in for my, for after my dive board was over and I was positive I failed. I was like laying on this couch in the in the off crew building, like in my Cobb's office, just with my face in my hands, like, God, I have to do that again. Like, I was just like, God, this is so bad. And I like I thought it went really bad. Like I said, I don't know, like three times. I'm like, there's no way I pass this board. So I come back in there like you pass with lookups. And I looked at my CO and said, are you sure? <laughs> like, I was like, are you really? I passed. And so I'm like, I don't know if I sh- ever should have been trusted with that watch station. But you know, man, I, I think I did for okay. a lot of people, you learn more like the first time you stand the watch than you do yeah. ever actually qualifying it. That's been the same for every watch station I've qualified. Like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll try my best to, you know, learn what I can about, oh, this is what x watch standard does in the engine room these are the things i should be looking out for these are my logs etc etc and then i go and i stand the watch like by myself for the first time and i'm like oh shit yeah what the fuck's (laughs) going on right now (laughs) and god bless them they put me in a section with a the a gang chief who was previously qualified dive on an ohio class (laughs) and so like i had a nice little safety net to of experience to help me out and keep me out of trouble so i had some really experienced planesmen so but yeah, but you know, getting back to nukes and their pipeline experience. Mm-hmm. So they get through a school and power school, which is very book and knowledge intensive. Yeah. They are learning the fundamentals of their rating and then nuclear power. And I think personally, the way we do it is backwards. Like you learn how to, for example, be an electrician or a mechanic or electronics technician mm-hmm. before you even learn how a reactor works. Which I think is just really? a holdover from the fact like it used to be you would go to A school first and then if you were like in the top 10%, you would go to power uh, school or some okay. shit. I actually thought uh, it was the other way around. I thought you guys went to yeah, power school. that so. would make more fucking sense, <laughs> but here we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, NR, if you're listening to this, I, I'm begging you, please change the order <laughs> at which we do power school and A school. I'm telling you, you'll get better results. Just trust me. <laughs> and, you know, mo- moving beyond that, though, right? So we get through an MPTC. These guys get through all of their book quals, or they're not fucking quals. You know, they, they get through their book courses, and these guys are you know generally knowledgeable. They have a decent amount of knowledge about reactor theory and whatnot. Uh, and then we move to prototype, which is a completely different beast, but a very necessary one. So prototype is very much we are trying to teach sailors how to qualify, right. and. You know, when I was a student, the thought process that was taught to me was you study for the checkout as much as you think is necessary to pass the checkout, which generally means like for a system, learn the drawing, learn like the major components, what they do, any standby features associated. Yeah. And then you just 
go find someone who will sign the damn thing. And, you know, they'll give you some shit for it, ask you a couple questions, make you learn some stuff. That's kind of the point. Yeah. And then you move on. And so the, the qualification process, I thought, of Prototype was actually very well streamlined because there were dedicated people there whose entire job in life is to give you checkouts. <laughs> Their entire job in life is to take nubs and make them less nubbly. <laughs> like, that—that that is what they are there for. And I think that is something I wish I could find a way to integrate into the fleet. But, yeah, you know, I've seen a f- I've seen some efforts made. Like, they... And it... They were like efforts based on people not making enough progress. So like when we were in the off crew, they would do uh, like a what they call it. It's like nighttime, like a nighttime instruct. It was like nuke duty in the off crew because they didn't stand duty ever. So they did like a nighttime instructor or something where they would just have like a guy qualified interim supervisor or engineering watch supervisor sit in the OCAB with all of the guys that were delinquent and, you know, talk them through. And I don't know how much talking through or checkouts actually happened because some of those guys were like super angry that they had to be there. But like efforts were made. Mistakes were probably made, too. But efforts were made to like try to create some mechanism. Uh, You know, what is that Rickover quote? Uh, No, you know, good ideas are only put into practice with courageous impatience. (laughs) You know, there will be bumps on the road. Yeah, you're gonna have to fight through it. Yeah. But yeah, so we get through we get them through prototype. And I think prototype is the ideal way someone should qualify. You're working on all these calls at once. You have a generally high level of knowledge. You're getting a lot of different people asking a lot of different things. And I genuinely do think when you qualify someone reactor operator or electrical operator or interim upper level at prototype, if I were to abandon them in the engine room and make them stand to watch themselves, no over instructs, they would be safe which is the most crucial component. Maybe not good, maybe not proficient, but safe. And that's all I I can really ask of someone who's, who has no experience and that's fine. But in prototype, we do this thing where we incentivize people to qualify fast, which I don't have a problem with. And the way it works is that when you show up to prototype, uh, every student starts on 12 hour days, Mm -hmm. you'll show up at like seven in the morning. And that means you can't leave until 1900 at night. Right. And if you get good enough, you can go on to reduced hours programs. Ooh. So you get to do less hours. You get yeah. more of your time back because you are showing you are being productive when you were on, quote unquote, the boat. Right. And I think that's good. Is now is incentive. Do you run into when you incentivize quals like incentivize qualifying fast, I should say. Like is the is the standard a moving target ever? Because forward quals it is, and I don't know why. Like I would say it's for dolphins, for uh, chief of the watch, duty chief, all those things. Like it seems like those watch stations where it's kind of everybody can qualify them. It's not like a rate specific qual so that that the standard becomes a moving target sometimes. Um, I would say specifically in prototype. It, you know, from from my limited experience, uh, I've, you know, I was there as a student, and mm-hmm. that's really about it. Oh, okay. Uh, my my experience there is that it didn't seem like it was a moving target. Uh, generally, any MMN three that qualifies can be the same as any other MMN three that qualified at the end with knowledge. I mean, sure, there'll be guys who 
go above and beyond and know a lot more than right. what you needed to qual, but it's but they're it's about like the, the baseline level of knowledge to qualify the watch station is basically the same. Yeah. Okay. From from my understanding, uh, you know, prototype instructors, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you are like foaming at the mouth. <laughs> um, but I will say, I, I genuinely think that the prototype experience is something very needed for nukes and something that we do pretty well uh, in the program. Okay. Now, we got through the pipeline. So, for some context, for most people, they spend about two years in the pipeline because, you know, there's whole times and stuff, right? Yeah. So, I have given someone two years of in-depth focus training on how to do their job. I have taught them the fundamentals. I have taught them the theory. I have taught them the basic watch stations that are going to be standing. And, yeah, things change from platform to platform. but. Right. I don't know, man. The electric plan on, like, S5W is probably the same electric plan on, like, a Columbia class or some shit. I don't know. Never been there, but it's close enough. You'll figure it out. (laughs) But, anywho, we have developed these sailors for two years. And in that time, there's a lot of room for cultural indoctrination. There's a lot of room for guys... uh, going on sea stories about overboating and all of this. Mm. And so in between all of the technical stuff you have to learn, there's a lot of room for sailors to become impressioned on what the fleet is going to be like. Okay. Cause that's all they want to do. They want to ask about, Oh, what's oh, it yeah. like on the boat? Yeah. Yep. Right. That's all I ever heard. Cause we, we had two submarine billets at the, the a school when I was there and that's all this, the sub designated, sailors that came in that's all they wanted to hear about was what's it like on the boat what's it like on the boat <laughs> like calm yeah, down right. you're gonna spend four and a half five years finding out and you're not gonna love all of it so like, <laughs> yeah, right. chill out. enjoy this moment go to the mall or something shut up <laughs> enjoy being on shore <laughs> you'll regret yeah. this moment on your first this underway. is the best <laughs> three months of your life shut up yeah and for nukes that three months is two fucking years yeah right yeah <laughs> But so there's a lot of room to shape a baby nuke before they even show up and are actually doing the job of a nuke. Uh, So let's now step away from they just graduated prototype. They're on top of the world. They think they know a lot about the plant they were just on. Right. They go on like a month of leave and bam, get to the boat. Yeah. And so let's talk about the check-in process on the boat. Let's like do a deep dive into this. Cause I, I really think this is where it all starts to fall apart. <laughs> the check-in sheet. The check-in right, sheet. Let's do it. Good God. That thing is, <laughs> the thing is a monster. And yeah. I have yet to find someone who's actually completed everything on the check-in sheet. Oh really? Because it's never up to date. It's disorganized. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're trying to talk to all these people and like a lot of them, like you'll go up to like, you know, I don't know, some IT one or whatever. He'll just initial all your shit. Uh, it won't explain anything about what yeah. he just signed and then hand it back to you and just send you off on your merry doubly way. I would, I would that uh, just for anybody that is out there with the same kind of frustrations like that. And if you, if you don't know that is all squarely at the feet of the cob, like, and I, and I'm fully willing to blame it on the cob and i say that knowing exactly what i'm saying because i was basically the cob on my last submarine it's all brilliant on the basics that that is like command indoctrination and sponsorship stuff that is there's a book for it there's very clear guidance on it and it's i think it's really important for a first impression like a a sailor walks on board the submarine no matter who they are where they're from like 
that's like the the very first impression that you get is like the walking around and checking in and blah 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 and i think it's i've seen it done well but it's pretty rare like like unicorn rare but it's yeah it's i think it's it's hard right yeah it is it is like it's hard to keep all that stuff updated and you know i'm going to talk about that more don't worry i have an entire lecture well it's hard it's hard too for the like because they're checking in whenever they're whenever they're checking in. So when they find that ITS one, it's like, who the hell knows what's going on in their universe? And do they have time to stop and check in some baby nuke that they don't care about at all in that moment that they're stressed out yeah. about the 7000 right. things that are punching them in the because face? Because throughout the pipeline, throughout the past two years of their active <laughs> duty Navy experience, it has all been formulaic. People know what they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very clear. Everyone has a set standard. If you have questions about the standard, you know who to ask. Uh, you have weekly meetings with like uh, your SLPO. I don't know if that's a thing in Cook A school, but it's essentially like it's your C dad, but you're on shore, so shore dad. Yeah, I mean, you just have an instructor, but yeah. Yeah, right. You have weekly meetings with these people checking in on you, making sure you're progressing well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you get to the boat. And it is chaos. Yeah. <laughs> it. I don't know, like, I don't know how the Navy has managed to survive this long in this state of chaos, but I think we are commendable for getting through it anyways. So these guys, they show up, they're confused. And after, you know, who knows, the first 24, 48, 72 hours, they finally get the check-in sheet done or as done as it's going to get. Yeah. And they get thrown back into the engine room. Someone makes them an account on Gnosis and prints them out this giant stack of qual cards. Uh, I don't even know if you like get your qual card handed to you in paper anymore. I think it's like you just get an account and it's up to you to print your own qual card out, which is interesting. I think it's a good change, but it's an interesting change. Mapping a printer is interesting half the time. Oh, God. Yeah. Like. (laughs) You know, the the minutia of trying to get anything done. Uh, You know, I went to work the other day and I was like, okay. All I need to do is go onto this website and do this thing and print this thing out once I get done with it. Like, I thought this is a very simple process. <laughs> I use computers all the time. I'm a yeah. giant fucking nerd. I can figure this out. Show up to work. You know, it's like 7 o'clock. I spend the next five hours of my day trying to get this done. <laughs> I, I spend five hours trying to go from unclassed computer to unclassed computer to unclassed computer trying to get on these websites, trying to get this stuff done. Yeah. And I know it sounds like I'm going off on a tangent here, uh, you know, random listener who is out there, but I'm not. This is the experience a lot of sailors have yeah. where they are trying to get work done, but there are these, you know, vague and hard to like even comprehend barriers to you to getting anything done. Yeah. And finally, at the end of all of this, a nub is handed a, you know his qual cards and just simply said, get hot, like start qualifying. Yeah. And I, and I don't know how it is for everyone, but from the guys I've talked to, uh, what happened with me is I handed my qual cards and they just said, figure it out. Pretty I wasn't much, familiar yeah. with the references. I wasn't familiar with where I needed to go for checkouts. I wasn't even familiar with like who the QPO list was. This was all just like trial and error, trying to figure my life out. That was my experience. Pretty much, pretty much. It was just hand you stuff and figure it out, nerd. And I actually like back, back in God, 2002, they just said, get in the galley and cook lunch. And I'm like, huh? Like I, I brand new on the boat. Like I didn't even know where the galley was. 
like in the galley and cook lunch. I'm like, I don't know. Well, like, I don't, I don't know how to, I mean, I can try cause I had cooked professionally before I joined the Navy. So like I knew how to cook, <laughs> but like, it's like, what do you mean? Like, I don't even know where anything is like, and so they just chucked me in there and let me flounder and figure it out. Yeah, man. And it's that same, like kind of similar thrown, uh, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire experience that a lot of junior nukes get. And I think the problem is that junior nukes, when they're going throughout the pipeline, they are consistently rewarded for their talent level and their work effort. Right. Uh, even if you are the guy who's, you know, barely getting by with like a two, five GPA, mm-hmm. if you are actually putting in those 35 hour weeks, if you are actually studying, people will generally have a decent opinion of you. Is there any truth to, um, one of that really scathing Reddit response I mentioned earlier that I got, it was kind of like made mention to like, if the instructors like you, you're going to do better than if the instructors don't kind of thing. And I, I mean, I, it's a, it's a qualification process. And one of the downsides of the qualification process and checkouts is that there is the level of, you know, personability required. Yeah. Um, nukes are abrasive, at least a lot of them. Yeah. No, and so <laughs> you put a bunch of people who are, you know, essentially just humans coded in sandpaper together in a room. And a lot of people rub each other the wrong way. Yeah, that makes sense. So, well, you know, we'll get there. Okay. Anywho, you you show up, you're handed this stack of, you know, how many, like, I, I think uh, there were, I got handed like 12 qual, card, 12 qual cards when I showed up, just yeah. said, hey, you need to figure this out. Like, okay. And the point is, your talent level is irrelevant. Whereas you might have had an identity in the pipeline, for better right. or for worse, that literally does not matter on the boat. It doesn't matter if you were the three five student. It doesn't matter yeah. if you were the two five student. You are here. You are a nub. You know nothing, and you are unimportant. And so, I think that is definitely a shell shock. Yeah, I was gonna say that runs contrary to everything they were just taught for two years, effectively. Like, yeah, they're, they're it runs contrary to yeah. everything that they're they're special, they're smart, they're capable, they are getting prepared, and they show up and they feel like just none of it mattered. Why do you think that? Why do you think the cultures vary so wildly? Just because like it obviously you guys have like and I say you guys like NR effectively has complete control over what happens in the pipeline. But then when you get to the submarine, I would think that everything after the watertight door, I mean, like you basically like the EDMC and Eng effectively have complete control over the culture back there. So why do you think it varies so wildly, at least on submarines? I don't know what it's like on surface ships, but. Um, I've talked to a few between the snooks. Um, yeah, between the pipeline and the and, and in the my ship. personal opinion, uh, I think it's due to the op tempo. Op tempo is very very high right now for the navy, uh, especially for nuclear powered assets. Uh, carriers are going underway for nine ten month deployments yeah, on true. top of their workups, on top of compressed shipyards. Uh, it's the same kind of pattern of attack when you look at what boats are doing, right? Yeah, like boomers are you know going out for longer nuts yeah, I, you know ssgns are you know that whole like three month on three month off thing i haven't seen that in years yeah like people are going out for longer and they are having to do more with less and that is difficult yeah. and so the first things to go away in these high stress high pace environments is training formalities courtesies because no one feels like they have time god you're pre you're you're pulling on my heartstrings right now that like 
the it blows my mind that those are the things. Sorry, I just punched my microphone. Those are the things that go away. Like the first thing to get caught is like the it to me is the most important thing to us succeeding as an organization is like training, like formality, like educational thing, like the stuff that builds the foundation for us succeeding at our you know mission. It's kind of the thing we do. Yeah, it, like it's just those are the these things. things pay long term dividends. Yeah, and in that environment. You don't need a long-term dividend. You need results right now. Right. And so this is the the world you were thrown into as a baby nuke. Uh, some I, I've heard of some guys doing, or some boats doing a little bit better, where they'll uh, essentially ignore the nub's existence in the engine room and just tell them, hey, go figure out all your forge at first. Okay. Then come back here and we'll, and we'll work with you. And I think I've seen better results with that. Interesting. Where we just say, go get your fish. Go do all of the, you know, that stuff, then come back here and we'll make you a nuke. The only downside is to it is they generally lose whatever knowledge they had left over from the pipeline when they yeah. come back. But, you know, that's another debate in and of itself and not something I want to focus on. Okay. Anywho, you get your qual cards. And what you're going to notice is whereas the standard for checkouts and prototype were in my opinion, relatively level, depending on whoever you talk to, like an RPFW checkout with, you know, MMN2 Smith is going to be about the same level of an RPFW checkout you get with MMN1 Joey. Right. Um, That is just not the case on the boat. Uh, You can talk to two guys who are both qualified the exact same things who have been on the boat for about the same amount of time. And one guy will just blaze the checkout, just say, "Uh, do you know what this thing does? Uh, yeah. And you like go to start talking and as you're talking, he's already signed your qual card and you're just like, well, okay. Yeah. Which one makes sailors feel like it doesn't matter how much they know. Right. And then two, you'll get guys on the other end of the spectrum who you'll go in for like an art, you know, that same checkout and they'll ask you question after question, after question, after question that are like tangentially related to what you actually need to know about that system or that watch or whatever the hell it is. And so it makes you feel like there's no way you could have studied to make that checkout go easier. Yeah. Which also disincentivizes what we really want, which is sailors learning how to stand their watch properly and studying it and taking pride in how well they do it. Right. There's a lot of fucking with people back there. And yeah. both of those ways are, you know, really messing with these sailors' perceptions. It's a, yeah, that's, that all happens forward to the water tight door too, man. Like it's, it, and it, I never understood it and I never agreed with it. And I, like, I would sit there in the dive chair sometimes and give a checkout and like have some a ganger walk up to take logs and tell me I wasn't asking enough questions and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Hey, are you qualified to dive? Cool. Shut up. Like, <laughs> cause they yeah, were, it was their system. Cause they own everything. And I'm like, you like you, you can give an EMBT blow checkout or you can just shut up and go away. Cause I'm qualified to dive and I do what I want. Like, be, be gone like i'm asking what because i actually looked at the CT, ctqs for us i think it's all gnosis now but um it's got bullet points in there that tells me what things should be covered during that checkout and i i talked to the a gang chief i'm like what should i ask for this i'm not dumb i'm a cook so like i know this isn't my system so i ask that question hey man what do you think should be asked during for an embt blow checkout and then that's the kind of i use that as my guideline but yeah, There's a lot of stump the chomp going on. I, I think the Navy has done a better job with trying to like standardize checkouts with the introduction yeah. of you know Gnosis and kind of universal cards, at least in the Nuke world and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's definitely still more work to be done, but right. yeah, like it's been getting better over time. 
However, all these minute experiences, you know, pile up. You spend a very, very long time as a nuke in Qualls. Right. And unfortunately, we have this culture in the nuke community that if you're not qualified senior and rate, you are a nub and therefore useless. Um, you can be, you know, a mechanic who's qualified in your upper level, in your lower level, in your middle level when that was a thing, roving watch, all, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. but you're not qualified in your supervisor yet. Yeah. So therefore you were not useful. And so it's a very like black and white demarcation of one day you're the nub and then you qualify and you're useful, except Nukes also have this thing, and I, I, I'm pretty sure this one holds forward of the water tight door, where seniority is king in, like, your social circles. Yeah. The guy who showed up, like, eight yeah. months before you, doesn't matter how stupid he is. For, for first a- term, guys, for sure. Like, it's like, that's the only thing that matters. Like, your rank is irrelevant. I've been on the boat longer. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, like, you know... And God bless spoos, but you know, I think they get at the words oh, they show spoos. up. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna ask, I was wondering, I figured you'd get there on your own eventually, but I was gonna, I was, let's, yeah, let's man, talk like, about spoos. Like, <sighs> spoos, you guys are doing a necessary job, but you, you eat it on the back end, uh, yeah. And I, the some of them earn it though, because like I've had spoos show up and they're non quals that re enlisted in their second classes, and then they make first five seconds after they get there and they go up to like a lead elt qualified second class with fish and say you can't talk to me like that i'm a first class petty officer and it's just like oh yeah, my it, god like, it doesn't go so great no not because uh, i had a kid bring me that guy uh and he was just like i can't i just i'm gonna hit him i can't and he just walked away <laughs> and then i was like what's going on man and the first class spoo tells me what happened and i was like cool are you qualified anything he goes, no, chief. And I was like, are you, do you have dolphins? It's like, no, chief. I mean, then shut up and listen to him. I'm like, he's trying to teach you things. Like he's trying to get you qualified things. And the whole submarine at all times is trying to kill you. So just shut up and listen to him. You can go now. Bye. Like, just keep him moving. And I was like, he's a fully qualified lead, like lead LT, everything. He just doesn't have that third chevron. So this kid wouldn't listen to him. Like, oh my God. Yeah, man. Um, I can talk about spoos later, but <laughs> okay, we can. Christ, that's that's just a complex topic. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, man. So you get these guys; they're working through their quals. They're told you're useless. You're not really worth anything until you're fully qualified, and mm-hmm. it'll take them a long ass time to get qualified senior grade. Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at a bare minimum, it's going to take you like eight months. Okay, and so that's eight months. You're on the boat, or you know, for most guys, I think it's closer. You know, a year, year and a half. At least from what I've seen. And that entire time, you are useless. You are a nub. People are showing on you. You're having to do these bullshit jobs. You're having to stay late. You're having to put in more hours than everybody else. Yeah. And honestly, your life is worse and your job is harder than what everybody else is doing. But you're told just, oh, well, you know, it's not so bad. Just put in a little bit more effort. It's uh, a very unfortunate perception. And so, you finally qualify. You make it. Congrats. Your level of knowledge that you had when you qualify, you know, electrical operator in the fleet, which your your senior rate of shutdown reactor operator, is a lower of level knowledge than what you actually have when you qualified a prototype. Just 
going to throw it out there. Controversial opinion, but it's brave. Hmm. You don't know as much as you did, but you think you do because you've learned all of this errata and bullshit that makes you think you know so much. But truth be told, you are still learning. But now you have this inflated sense of ego again. Right. And so we get this giant mismatch where nukes think they are so smart once they qualify that all nubs are, you know, infinitely beneath them. We give nukes a pretty decent amount of responsibility and we talk them up with that responsibility. Like, you know, the shutdown reactor operator is like the dude. Yeah. uh, You know, back there in the engine room. But then we also were cheating that same dude who's qualified shutdown reactor operator as, you know, our cleaning bit. <laughs> and so we're, you know, just at this state where these nukes are being told all of these things. You're so smart. You're so special, et cetera, et cetera. And then we treat them kind of like crap. Yeah. And that breeds a lot of bitterness. And depending on the chain of command you have, like, you know, if you're in just kind of, you know, the angry stepfather kind of figure and your EDMC is kind of like, you know, the burnout mother of 85 children. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a T-shirt. You got to write that down. <laughs> that's a T-shirt. The burnout. I'm going to make that for my EDMC. He's he's an awesome dude. The burnout mother of 85 children. Well, yeah, if you would like have, you know, khaki that aren't, you know, stepping in and trying to fill the gaps that the other guys don't have the mental energy to like put in. Well, sure, man, that's how you can breed a lot of bitter people really quick. Yeah. And it gets into, as we talked about, the training is lackluster, rushed, and there's a lot of it. Like, there's a lot of training nukes do every week, uh, more it, than coners. Just it's I'm all going to say that. Oh, for sure. Jesus. I, I, so, like, <laughs> bane of our existence is, like, always trying to get out of the mess decks to clean or to do something, and it's like... In engine depth training or whatever division training it's just nuka nuka durka durka training like god it's never ending but yeah like it all you guys have like a required number of hours or a required topics list or like how does that work because you guys do an unbelievable uh, amount of training there is there is the devil's book called the engineering department manual and the engineering department operating manual yeah uh if you ever wish to see the uh, the text Satan is wrote down for the world to follow. It's there, mm. but uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, just I just now. Well, so I'm oh. assuming that like whatever's written in those books, it's like it if it 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 kind of turns into a check in the box type of thing, which is why you get lower quality training be, just because yeah. it's a requirement in that book. It it exactly does turn into that where. It's a check-in-the-box training. Guys will be reusing the same PowerPoint eight times over. They won't even modify the slides. They might not even looked at it beforehand. They're just doing it off the cuff. They've been, like, running off, you know, four hours of sleep for the past, like, week because there's drill sets. They just don't have time to put in the effort for the training. Right. And what it ends up to is a degradation of the engineering department standards of level of knowledge, which means poor watch standard performance, poor level of knowledge interview, poor exam scores. Oh, no. You banned ORS. Yep. Is there something stopping like naval reactors from saying, hey, we've got whatever it is, like three different types of plants. Here's the training and like making, I'm, you know, not that like big Navy and whatever well, iteration we're uh, talking about. From is the capable. mindset I've understood and don't get me wrong. I'm not like trying to speak for naval reactors here uh, yeah. in any capacity, 
But I, I think the mindset is that both should be empowered to identify the knowledge deficiencies within their own departments and then conduct training as necessary to correct those deficiencies. Uh, my personal opinion is I think that puts a lot of onus on the EDMC and the ENG yeah. and the ENG if you you know manage to get a senior JO back there to actually do that job. Yeah. To identify a lot of faults and to document a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then to look at all of that data, make an assessment out of it, and then conduct training, which you hope is effective and is what you need. Well, it's like I could see, I could see like a certain like twenty percent of whatever required training being that, and then they're like the rest of it being handed to you as some kind of a curriculum almost, where they create more robust training with like some training aids maybe or whatever. I don't know. Like I would say it's a bit more, more inverted in that percentage, right? Like there is, there are certain training topics that nukes just have to cover like every year, every time yeah. they qualify or whatever. But most of it is at the discretion of your long-term training plan. But yeah. Anywho. I feel like that model is the same as like petty officer in doc. Like, yeah, Hey, go give them some leadership development and education. Cause I have time for that on an operational <laughs> submarine. <laughs> like, yeah. So, Anywho, nuke sea tours are nominally four years. Mm-hmm. So you spent the first year being a nub and getting shit on. Mm-hmm. Or shit on, excuse me. <laughs> uh, then you spend like the next three years working your out off in a high op tempo overextended environment. You are, you know, depending on how often your boat is underway, depending on what stage of like, you know, shipyard, VRP, or whatever your repair period is, you are working a lot yeah and it is you are always learning new things you never get a chance to become particularly good at what you're doing mm-hmm. you get three years of useful time out of a nuke where they're actually qualified and can do all the things you want them to do and then it's time for them to rotate yeah these guys are angry they are overworked they haven't had any time to really live their life outside of the boat which contributes to a t- total stunting of emotional intelligence yeah which is really sad uh a lot of these guys you know are getting divorced and they can't see it in the moment because they're there but they're getting divorced because they have an inability to communicate effectively they don't know how to talk about their problems they don't know how to just be empathetic because there's no room for that on a submarine yeah and so it's sad it and is, it's yeah. hard for them. And it's you end up, and this is the end state, frustrated sailors that are stuck in a perpetual state of like barely controlled chaos. They would rather learn to adapt to known problems they already have than try and figure out solutions that could end up changing the situation and thus creating new problems. Yeah. You end up with a very like toxic culture of bitter senior dudes who yeah. hate new guys. Yep. They're very disillusioned with the program because like, yeah, they remember being told how special they were. And now they feel like, oh, well, I'm just any other regular second class or first class or whatever it is. Yeah. On top of all of this, they're emotionally stunted because they're overworked and they don't have any time to develop as people. And finally, the leadership we're putting back there in engineering department, because a lot of guys get out. These are the guys who managed just to put up with the shittiness or the like the few sadistic few who actually liked it to you know to stay back in. And don't get me wrong. I've seen some amazing nuke chiefs. I've seen yeah. amazing engines. 
But a lot of these guys, they're not coming back to another sea tour because, you know, they love the Navy. They're usually coming back because they were either scared to get out or they, you know, they can't afford to get out. You know, they have medical requirements, things of that nature. Yeah. And so, on you know, and, and just as a side note on all of this, for a lot of boats, because of P&EO requirements, JOs have to spend like, I don't know, like 12 months back there. And they show up and they just immediately hand them engineering division, which, yep. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really hard for those guys. I've had they a show lot up. of uh, long discussions with many, a many a nuke chief about how to train a division officer. Cause they were just like, I'm, I'm going to kill him. Like, I'm going to kill him. Like, oh, it, God, yeah, man. <laughs> I remember on, one boat I, on a boat I was on uh, this J.O. He had been like, you know, he, he got cycled just, far too many times we had been underway we were doing like oars workups it was not a great time for this dude because he was going to be the primary for this oars and so there was this i forget what paperwork it was but he needed to like route something and it was his signature and this needed to get to the edge but this guy was just exhausted yeah he like he had to go get some hours down so he goes into uh, a bunk room because he's not senior enough to have a stateroom yeah and, uh, you know, he goes and just, like, crawls into his rack and just tries to get an hour or two down so he can, like, refocus. And I see his chief running around the P-way, and he looks at me. He's like, hey, where's insert J.O. name here? Right. I'm like, uh, I don't know, chief. I, th- I think I saw him go into, go into his rack. He's like, he what? <laughs> I'm going to strangle this motherfucker. <laughs> And I see him like running and taking off, and I'm like, "Well, the sir is about to die. That's a shame." Ah, <laughs> uh, for the crime anyway, of an hour of sleep, Jesus. Yeah, man. And the, what I'm getting at is like we we put JOs in this really tough position where they're just showing up to the boat and getting mm-hmm. their life figured out, and then we're telling them to go lead. Uh, in my opinion, the most strapped department yeah. in uh, all, the entire submarine. Sweet like, baby Jesus, JOs on submarines, man. I like. I was talking to a guy. He's a he works at the commandment now, but he's like a he's a reservist now and has been for a long time. He's a commander, um, but he just did his like JO tour and then got out and became a reservist. And we we're talking about being a submarine JO and like just how. I, you just look at them and it's like, when when was the last time you felt a pillow on your face, man? Like, like I haven't those poor, poor J.O.'s because like by the time they got up to me and they're standing off to the deck, they're like they've they've been so focused on other things that like I had a newly submarine qualified officer of the deck that like I'm the cook chief and I fancy myself a pretty intelligent human being. But as discussed earlier, I I still can't believe they trusted me standing dive. So we're we're taking the boat to PD and she's like asking me what to do and like asking me like what do I do in my PD brief to the captain and what speed do you need and what this that and then I'm like oh my god we're going to die like I'm like you're supposed to be the one telling me what to do I don't know if you know how this works but Dude, uh, it's terrifying yeah, JOs get it rough man they do we're we're setting these like you know the you know JOs are pretty smart like they they oh, generally yeah. have some like an eight amount of talent in them. Yeah. Or they went to the Naval Academy and they're not worth zero, but I digress. <laughs> but you know, like these guys are smart, just like nukes. And we are, t- we are putting them 
in charge of the most challenging like divisions who really need like that extra guidance and that extra leadership and representation up like the upper chain of command. Yeah. And we're just sending the guys who are going to be like so strapped for any like mental bandwidth and telling them to figure the fuck out. I would uh, I'm assuming that the reason that that happens is because like engineering duty officer and engineering officer of the watch are like their first call. So they just think it's easier. Uh, well, it, from what I understand, uh, talking to my engine about it, it's, mm. you know, it's a PNEO thing, right? Okay. So you have to get through PNEO to screen for department head. And so this is like a career milestone for them. Okay. And you have to like be done with that before like you're 20 more, 24 months on board. And so, and you can't go to PNEO until like you've had 12 months of a nuke division or something like that. Uh but still, yeah, I mean, so, I could put them in charge of freaking sonar and torpedo men for the first eight months and get them. Oh, yeah, like, right. You know but I mean? you like, got to build in the buffer time. I'm not saying you can okay. do it differently. I'm just okay. saying this is life. Gotcha. Point is, right. We are giving engineering department the least amount of leaders and oversight and giving them a lot of work and a lot of responsibility and a lot of the guys in there are just trying to figure it the fuck out. And they right. try their hardest. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And that's, in my opinion, why nukes end up so bitter. <laughs> and, you know, I, I want to caveat this. It's not like this way on all boats. And it goes to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh I've seen engineering departments with an amazing culture. I have seen engineering departments who have had it horrible, like, you know, tapping just because, like, they can't take it anymore. Yeah. It varies a lot. But systemically, these are the issues that I see as a guy who I see a lot of what nukes go through. I see a lot of messages in my inbox, and I've had to, you know, dish out advice over the years, even though I'm still trying to figure my life out sometimes. Right. And so I just want to put this out there. The issues the new community faces isn't because the new generation is weaker or softer. Yeah. It isn't because people aren't trying. It is systemic. And I want to point that out. The rules and regulations and the way we are doing this is breeding the culture. It is that it is not that these people want to be bitter. It is not that they want to be hateful. It is that this is the behavior they will end up eventually doing because this is the path of least resistance. Yeah. This is I what they fall into. A thousand percent agree with what you're like, especially the whole cop out about generational whatever norms that somebody invented to classify a group of people. It's like yeah, I, fucking boomers. I hate, I hate, I hate generational classification because it's like it's not all this that people aren't all the same you can't like put a large group of people into that type of a a subcategory and like think that it's always going to apply and i think it almost never applies to be perfectly honest with you like when you're just interact because like and maybe it's just because the navy like you get a cross section of like the whole country um and sometimes people from outside of the country that are are earning citizenship by serving in the united states military so it's like you just get this crazy cross section of people, and it's like a lot of times none of that stuff applies. You just everybody's wildly varying, and 
I mean, yeah, yeah like uh, we, we, I could probably talk for another hour on like the floating high school aspect of being in the Navy. But, <laughs> God, yeah. that, that's that's I'll get another hour. Well, but, I definitely um, so. want to like touch on like so you've arrived at like this is the end state of a nuke after four years of of service on Platform X. It's like how do how do you think you that like especially someone like me? I'm I'm almost asking from a future Cobb perspective as long as Bumet actually says that's cool. Um, like how would I help create a culture that is like the one you described? That's like, Hey, we got an awesome culture in the engine room. Everybody like we're doing as well as we possibly can be. Yeah. uh, I I would say there's five like bullet points I've written down here. And these are things I've thought about a lot. But with that said, this is just my opinion. I'm just one dude. Right. First, it needs to be an attitude change on how you treat guys who are in quals. People who are in quals have a job. Their job is to qualify. That needs to be respected as, yes, you are doing something that is contributing to the boat. Mm -hmm. Because I just want to point this out there. If you are giving a quality checkout, you are also learning this material better. Right. You are still useful even if you are not fully qualified. And that should be a thing. Yeah. Just because you're new to the boat doesn't mean you need to be working 13-hour days. Yeah, dude. You should work the same hours everyone else works. And if it is proven that you are lazy and unable to manage your time, you can take corrective action from there. Right. But that shouldn't be the entering argument. Dude, yeah. So I go out on submarines and do inspections right now for supply stuff. And when I I went out on one crew, uh, and like as soon as you stepped on board the submarine, it just felt different. And one of the things that like I sat down and talked to Cobb and told him how amazing I thought the boat was and like everybody was super motivated and blah, blah, blah. But like they the thing that jumped out at me and is burned into my memory and that I will do if I'm ever a cop on a submarine is I looked at their plan of the day and instead of uh, delinqu- a delinquent list, it said shipmates that need our help. And I was just like, man, that's cool. Like it's a little cheesy, but like it's it's cool because it's like it it's a, a yeah, man. mentality. A little shift. bit of. A little bit of cheesiness can go a it's, long yeah, way, all right. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of it. Like my plan of the day will say that. And I just like and it that communicates a lot to not just the the sailors that are are in quals and that are behind, but the ones that are responsible for like making that change, like helping them get qualified, teaching them the things, giving them the checkouts. Like I thought that was amazing. Yeah, and that's great. And you know, that comes up to my my next bullet point here is that as a leader compliment your people and i god i can already hear the people eye rolling as i as i say it but i am telling you the the culture that at least i see a lot of nukes have is that they're always listening trying to find the deficiency or the technical error in the brief they're always trying to think worst case scenario what is going to go wrong how is this dude going to fuck me today? <laughs> and don't get me wrong. That's that's necessary. You got to be listening for that. Yeah. But at the same time, you also need to be mindful of if that person is doing well, if they are just doing their job and meeting the requirements, you as a guy in khaki, just compliment them. Just, fuck, yeah. just literally say, <laughs> hey, dude. You're doing a good job. And be sincere. Mm-hmm. Literally go up to him and say, hey, I saw, you know, the effort you were putting on when you were fixing this motor controller. Hey, I saw that, you know, your logs were impeccable. 
that when you were actually that you were taking your logs, finding deficiencies, and correcting mm-hmm. them. Compliment them on the little shit. If you can build this culture of oh, if my do if I do my job well, I will get recognized and people will appreciate it. They're gonna ke- want to keep doing it. Yeah, and you say recognize, it's like not names and stupid letters. Even though those have a place, it's like just just. It means more to most people when, like, me as their chief says good job than a NAM or a, any of that other crap. Like, just my approval, at the period, for that one yeah. day, one task, one thing, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And if your entire, like, toolkit is, hey, uh, you're fucked up right now. Here's yeah. how to, like, fix yourself from being fucked up. If your entire toolkit is just helping people up and then hoping they don't do it again. You are going to breed that toxic culture, which is going to end up with no one re-enlisting and a lot of people hating the Navy. Yeah. So, uh, on a separate bullet point, uh, I think a robust, consistent training program is crucial to a good engineering department, like particularly engineering department. And it needs to have more goals than find efficiencies and fix deficiencies, right? You need to think about it like this when you're training up junior nukes. These guys don't know shit or fuck about your platform. You want them to have that same of a baseline level of understanding of your platform as they had when they were qualifying at prototype. Structure your training plan so that way they get built up. You shouldn't be throwing these dudes into steam line rupture, fast leak drills right off the bat. You shouldn't be asking them these super in-depth minutia questions about, I don't know, the engine room freshwater system, where all the cross connects are and all that crap, before they've even had a chance to just learn what does the engine room freshwater system even do. Yeah, yeah. Build them up. Your goal is to have a continuous training program that builds upon itself. It should reference previous trainings. It should be standardized, and the materials you are using to train sailors should be accessible and easy to find do you guys ever do training that's like uh where people are split in groups based on experience and aptitude aptitude is probably not the right word experience and level of knowledge like as far uh, the as the only way i've ever seen it done is that there's department training divisional training and supervisor training yeah so okay. in a way that kind of kind inherently of. splits it up by like experience level but no I, I in my personal opinion is that it should be reworked to there should be Training for people who are not qualified senior and rate. Yeah. Training for people who are qualified senior and rate and people who are qualified supervisors. Okay. That's my opinion. Gotcha. That's what I was thinking in my head. But, it's just, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I, I don't control the EDM. And frankly, True. there are guys who spend a lot more time thinking about this than I do. Yeah. So, uh, my fourth bullet point is you need mentorship. Like, and God, that sounds so cheesy. Uh, I know <laughs> a, lot a lot of, of what guys, you're saying sounds super cheesy and it's kind of surprising me a little bit, but like, I don't not agree with you. You know what I mean? Like I just, well, man, you can choose to be bitter and I can choose to give you, like, I could give you like all these yeah. cynical edgy bullet points that I think, you know, a lot of nukes would more instinctively agree with. Yeah. But those instincts of, you know, make it universal that nubs work 14 hours a day until they're qualified. That doesn't make anything better. It just right. makes you feel better. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. you're not actually going to get results. Yeah, no, I know. And like a lot of the things I end up talking about on the podcast, it's the same kind of thing where I'm like, I feel like I'm 
like parroting the party line a little bit sometimes, but it's just like, this is actual, like I it's long ball, man. Like I'm looking, I'm looking a year, two years, five years down the road. Like this is how you fix a problem. And it's not going to get fixed unless we look that far into the future. And we're forecasting that far out. It's like, you're not going to, there's not like a, a bandaid I can put on this bullet hole to fix the problem. Like it's just not going to work that way. It's going to take yeah. a while to heal and there's going to be a scar, like- but in my opinion, the the new community is systemically and at its very core having to come to grips with the fact that the systems we've engineered mm-hmm. for people aren't working. Yeah. Like, yeah, we are getting we are getting boats underway, we're passing horses, we're, you know, doing the inspections and all that. But the culture itself needs some work. And yeah. so this is where I think it is time to, you know, instead of like Throwing everything, you know, throwing the mess on your floor in the closet and then pretending you don't have a mess anymore. <laughs> Take the time to clean out your closet, organize things, yeah. and put it all away in the right place. But I think you got to make a mess before you can get a mess. Yeah, well, I think you got to make a mess before you can make it better. The only way, the only thing that that benefits at this point, because I don't think in in senior, senior, like nosebleed seat leadership level, they think that we've reached it yet. Like, I don't think they they think we've we've reached a tipping point where the mess in the closet can matters enough. You know what I mean? Like it's just not bothering them because we are passing horses and their spreadsheets green. So whatever, like it's not, it hasn't gotten to the point which it, I think, I think we're getting there. Like there's so many red flags and just like the really crazy, like the mental health problems, the suicides, like the attrition just out on, out on units. Yeah. Where guys are a, just like, no, you know, I'm not it's doing a, this it's a quality of life thing. dude. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I talk about mentorship, I am explicitly talking to the khaki. Yeah. I'm not just talking to the chiefs either. I'm right. also talking to junior officers. No matter how little time you have on board, you are still a person, you have experience, and you are getting paid to supervise and to manage and to lead. Like, I can't stress that enough. If you were going into this mindset as a chief or an officer that your bare minimum is just to manage your division and sure, you know, SCAD is closed out for the week, you fucking suck. It is about your people. It is about the sailors. It is not a great chief's mess or a great wardroom that is going to make the boat. Those guys can be happy and you can stand on your watches, all that. It doesn't work. It's about the crew. A great crew will make a great boat. Yeah. And so if you are not actively working on not just improving your sailors from a technical knowledge level standpoint, but also trying to improve them as general people, you're not doing enough. You should be sitting down and talking to your sailors. You should know what they have going on in their lives. You should know what their concern is. And I mean that like as sincerely as I can put it. You want, if people want to say submarines are like a family, great. Then treat each other like family. Yeah. You're not just going to work to fuck with this dude for you know eight hours and make him get some work done because you don't have all the time of the day to do it yourself. Yeah. You're going there because you want this person to professionally achieve. And the only way to get them to actually reach that higher level of performance to get them into growing into being a leader so they can eventually take your job is by also developing them as a person. Yeah. Talk to them about how they approach people. Talk to them about how they are training. Talk to them about how, like, hey, man, 
you can't be saying shit like, oh, women don't do real work on submarines when you have women on submarines. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't let that shit fly. And as a leader, you are the person who sets the standard there. So get over whatever stigmas you have and get involved. Sorry, I was a little bit passionate about I that I dig one. it, man. I dig it. Yeah. I get I get fired up quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I would say the last thing is, honestly, uh, and I know nukes are going to laugh at this one. Look at Rickover and realize that dude, for all of his flaws of being kind of an abrasive animal, had a special insight into where humans fall short. Rickover had this unique insight on figuring out if you put people in a room and you tell them to solve a problem, where are the errors in the process going to arise? Mm-hmm. And that is, it, it is mystifying how much this man actually knew about how people worked, considering how socially inept he was. <laughs> Look at his quotes. Read what he was talking about. I think a lot of that stuff holds true today. Write your arguments down on paper if you're having to resolve an issue because it will make it much easier to find out what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Act as if you were going to be in the job forever so that way you make it the best you can be when you yeah. go to turn it over to the next guy. I love that one. God, like, I love that one. God, I know it's cheesy and it's hard. Yeah. You, it, this... It's none of this stuff is going to change overnight. Yeah, it is a small, deliberate process. Yep. You are, you're never going to get this big, massive uh, result like you see in the movies, where you know some major event happens yeah. and suddenly yep. everyone's happier now. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't know. fucking work like everybody that. thinks there's going to be like a nav admin or an op nav instruction that's going to fix all this stuff, and it's like that's not how that's not how human relationships work. Like it's not like this no, is a, it's a, a human relationship and like a communication and emotional intelligence problem. No, it is a, it is a long arduous journey mm-hmm. where you have to come to work every day and say, I just want to make my interactions today, my division today, whatever I'm getting done today, 1% better yep. 0.1% better than what it was yesterday. And if you can just remind yourself of that, just put it on a sticky note, have an alarm go off on your phone or your watch since we can't have personal electronic devices. <laughs> uh, just something to remind you, hey, it's not going to get better until I put the effort in. Right. And it doesn't have to be all of the effort at once. It needs to be the slow burn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that's what I think can make it a little bit better. I like it, man. Yeah, dude, I it's funny that like I because I was expecting like the witty, edgy bullet bullet points from the reactors critical. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of like I not that I don't think there's a human behind the platform, but it's like I kind of expected a little bit of that. But I'm it's interesting to me that some of it is just like the cheesy like <laughs> Like my kind of answer, like that for for lack of a, of a more I don't know accurate description, it's just like 
it's the type of stuff I say all the time. It's like uh, just leadership development and education type stuff. Like, no, well, really. Dude, these it, are the hard fucking answers. Yeah. Like, and nobody and likes the, hearing them. Nobody no likes hearing them. No one likes hearing that shit because it, it makes you feel like, oh, you're answering uh, with all this soft shit. makes them feel like, oh, well, you're not really recognizing my problems. You're just using fluffy words. Right. And I, I want to fucking point this out. I recognize your fucking problems. I see it every day. I live this shit. Yeah. I was going to say you live the problems. Like, it is fucking hard. There are times where I have come home and I've just sat down with my head at the table thinking, oh, my fucking God, I can't do this any longer. Yeah. Ditto, dude. Like, it I, is, people don't it believe is. that that happens to chiefs either. I don't think like I've been as a senior chief in the middle of a food load. I went into chiefs birthing and like crouched down in between my rack and the other rack and just like had my face in my hands. And I'm like, do not fall apart. Do not fall apart. Like I was about to lose my shit. I was just like, dude, you can't do this right now. They need you to have you have it together. Like, do not fall apart. Do not fall apart. Because yeah, it was just everything was exploding. Yeah, man, it is hard. Yeah. And I'm just trying to say to the guys who are listening to this, because I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are are khaki. I think they are too, which is weird because I started like, it for junior sailors and it just kind of became its own animal. Yeah, like to the khaki out there, man, we recognize the effort that you guys want to put in. And I don't think anyone puts on anchors or gets commissioned or any of that shit planning to be like a fucking mediocre leader. I, I don't believe that of you guys. You're all human. I don't either. Uh, but recognize the reality of being great at something comes with sacrifice and recognizing you have to know where you are failing be honest with yourself yeah recognize what you are doing wrong and fix it well it's interesting too because like i'm doing a lot right now with um i talk a lot about the chief's mess and how organizationally we're failing and like kind of the things that i think need to change and working on a lot of different things right now. I just got involved in a project to write an article for proceedings with a bunch of people and um, talking to Paul Kingsbury a lot about like different projects. I'm going to be on his podcast soon talking about similar things. And, um, and then there's like a update to the chief petty officers guide coming that I'll probably have a little bit of input on, but like the, the, the kind of stuff that need the kind of conversations that need to happen about. Cause I, cause I think a lot of the, not just nukes, obviously. I think I think it's this problem obviously ex- extends across like all career fields, but is that the way that the Chiefs mess functions is not built to take care of sailors first. Like it's just for whatever reason, like it's not focused strictly on that. Like in my opinion, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, our primary fucking duty and our only primary duty is to take care of sailors. The end. Like that's why I'm getting a paycheck. And I, I concur. I don't think that's <laughs> I I don't think that's what's happening. I don't think I think we get distracted well, by all we're the not shiny objects. On that, right? Like yeah. fucking what what's your measurement metric when you when you go up for this year? Yeah. Uh what is the measurement metric for anyone in the Navy? It's not how many, you know, it's the I think the closest thing you get to like, you know, getting measured on a cultural effectiveness standpoint is like how many sailors did you get to reenlist? I think that's yeah, you know, about you, yeah. Then, yeah, the end yeah. all of it, right? They do have. And like I, a, I understand the Navy has to act like that yeah. in a certain capacity. The Navy is concerned with fighting wars, yeah, employing ships, and preventing wars. I, we, for all of this talk of a brotherhood and fraternities and all that, 
at the end of the day, man, we're here to fucking kill people if if, right. if necessary. I percent agree, but it's like the best way to get a, a group of people to work towards a common goal is, you know, what I mean, it's like so it's you're chasing your tail by like when people are are saying like like yes, we have to measure everything by metrics and we have to get people to reenlist and we have to have enough bodies to throw out the problem to fight the war, etc. Like I get that, and you're not wrong, and I don't disagree with that, but simultaneously. The best way to be the best warfighter you can possibly be is to take care of these fucking people so that they can do the best possible job they can. I concur. Fighting, I mean, you know dude, I mean? like we're, we're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, I just uh, I know. be honest. I don't know how we would. I would love to see the evaluation system change in such a manner that it encourages chiefs and officers to be involved with sailors and to mentor yeah. them and to be able to measure that in some quantifiable aspect, but. That eludes me. I don't you know if you can blow that down. Um, blow that down. 360 evaluations? Uh, yeah, where you get it from all sides? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it sounds a bit like a bad porno plot, but... Something. I mean... <laughs> just had to say that out loud, didn't you? No, I, like, I I think that it works, though. Because, like, so when I went to the Senior Enlisted Academy, there was a SEAL and a, a SWIC guy there. And I guess they do it uh, as part of their evaluation process. And they were talking about it during one of our like giant class sessions because you get together in like a big hall and then you get together in small groups. And so I stopped by and asked them afterward, like, where do I get that stuff from? And they just use some like survey monkey thing like they just created it themselves and just said the it's amazing. Like because you just have blind spots and there you have blind spots where it's like there's just certain things that certain people aren't going to tell you that other people will. Like junior sailors are like they're not worried about your feelings, especially when it's anonymous. Like it's like Reddit. Like they get to type whatever they want. <laughs> and it's like even if they're just flaming you, it's like there's nuggets of truth in there. And especially when you see a theme that says like I think it's just uh you know, it's it's difficult for people to want to get that kind of feedback, man. Um, especially like in a new community, like yeah. you're already kind of ran to your wits end, and you are made painfully aware of your shortcomings as a person uh, when you get put into leadership. Yeah, like it becomes very obvious to you. Like if you like, uh, you know, if you talk to a sailor wrong, if you phrase something the wrong way, you're going to hear about it. Yeah, right. And it's going to make you feel bad because you probably didn't intend it. Right. And so put if you were to, you know, put everybody out there, just open them up for the world to be on blast, uh, I think it would, you know, definitely crush a lot of these dudes. And maybe some people out there would say, like, well, okay, it needs to happen. Rip the Band-Aid off. Um, but at the same time, like, I am also concerned about the, the retention of khaki. Yeah, that's you a good point. You guys to stay in to do that shit, too. That is I, a good point. I don't it's, know. It's, uh... It's a difficult problem. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if you could distill it down somehow to where maybe you maybe you don't read the comment from the E four that says you're a worthless piece of crap, but you distill it down to like, oh well, he what he was really saying was that you have a problem communicating, something like that. I don't know. I mean, I think that's how a lot of the stuff goes. It's like you know, and God, coming back to nukes, I love these guys. Uh, They will say something, and they will phrase it. In perhaps the worst way possible. Yeah, yeah. But there will be a nugget of truth in there of just mm-hmm. unquestionable truth, and you're like, "Wow, that's really valuable." Yeah. But man, if I didn't have to sift through a giant yeah. mountain <laughs> of to get there, yeah, that yeah, you're not right, I, dude. I like I'd spend time talking to those like 
June, like probably like junior E5, senior E5s, and then like the junior E6s in the, in the engineering department. And like, that's what it was like, man, just like, and they would talk to me because I took the time to kind of create that relationship and like image for myself that like, oh, this, this chief's not going to like narc on you and like yell at you for saying the wrong thing or whatever. And so like, I'd get to have those types of conversations with those guys and like it, it's interesting and it's, but yeah. you're right. I mean, like, one, one of my favorite things to do is, uh, one, one, one of the things I like to do is I like to go find whatever salty sailor I can. And mm. I just like to ask him what's making your job yeah. miserable. Why are you so why, mad? Like, why are, like, why, why yeah. are you fucked up right now? Yeah. Not in the, you are like, fucked up. you're doing something wrong. Right. Like, right. What is on your mind, dude? Like, why are you angry? Like, I want to know. Yeah ditto like that's how that conversation went with that sailor on reddit it was like i now i want to talk to you even more that you flamed me on reddit like i want to know what's going on with you i want to know how this happened i want to know like how you got from a sailor who volunteered to serve their country whether it was for a college degree because you just really want to be a nuke or because whatever like whatever the the reason was you you volunteered and were enthusiastic about doing so at some point and then now here you are just wanting to burn the whole thing to the ground. Like how did we get from A to B? Cause I think that's a really interesting and valuable conversation to have, even if it's just me and that sailor having a conversation and I don't record anything and the world never finds out, you know, like I, it's not, it's not all just for this, even though I think sharing those types of things when it's appropriate, like people get a lot out of hearing it, man, like just having that conversation, like even, even that person thinking that you value them enough because you do presumably to have that type of conversation or even ask that kind of a question. Like it's important. And it's like, I, there's a lot of kids that like I'd sit down and talk to them. And I, Cause I was like, I've had sailors that I served with kill themselves because of what, I, I mean, whatever happened to them during their service, like whatever stress or experiences they had beat them down yeah, to the point man, that they thought it wasn't worth uh, it anymore so you know that's a, another topic that I, I would love to come back for um but you know i i see a lot of sailors where they or i don't want to say a lot i have seen sailors take their own lives and the thing that kills me about it is how little we actually talk about why it happened yeah I'm sorry, but it was due to the culture at yeah. the command. Yeah. And I'm I know I don't want to boil it down to, you know, oh, we need to fire everyone in that chain of command, get them out of the navy, but we need to have a hard discussion about why was it that one guy could get so dark of a place where he thought the only way out was to end it all. Yeah. But anywho, uh, I think we've covered the bitterness portion of this pretty well. <laughs> yeah. No, I think we have. Do you have anything else written down before we get to the kind of the background and origin story? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. I didn't want to skip over any anything else you had written down. So, yeah, I, I'm, I want to push it to the end because sometimes I get a hard time about not getting to the interview fast enough. So ha, I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to get better. Um, the kind of the backstory and origin origin story of the reactor is critical. Like my understanding from the outside looking in is it was a meme page that kind of just turned into something else. I'm curious, like. Why did it start in the first place? Uh, how well, did it the, arrive the at, thing is, at where yeah. it is? And then where do you see it going? So the funny thing is, I started Trick like five years ago mm. because I was bitter. Yeah. And I was angry and I wanted a place to like make fun of it all. Like I was, you know, I was done with it. Right. I'd had a very, very bad experience over the past six months or so. 
and I just wanted an outlet. And that is where the reactors critical got formed. I just created a Facebook page with, uh, you know, a friend of mine and it very, very quickly blew up. Yeah. It went from like zero to a thousand or excuse me, 10,000 likes in a a week or so. I'm not even a little surprised, man. (laughs) And I was like, holy. Yeah. Yeah. At the time I was not qualified for, uh, for being in that position of leadership. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, like I, I was not qualified to be the quote unquote voice of nukes, you know, <laughs> not there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, for about, you know, six months or something like that after we started, it was just, you know, we just posted funny memes. We weren't really thinking about it. Yeah. You know, we were just, you know, it, it was a thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, eventually, you know, some of the guys who I, you know, tried to start it with, uh, for one reason or another, they, you know, they had to dip out. Yeah. And I was looking for new admin teams and I got an email from a guy who had just made chief mm-hmm. and he wanted to be like, Hey, you know, I'm stuck here at like TTF. I'm not doing anything. I'm probably not going back out to a boat again because of my medical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just want to be a part of this. Right. And that was my first inkling, uh, you know, when I was running that page that, wait, I can do something more than just post memes. <laughs> uh, and so I didn't really know what I was getting into at the time, but I let him on mm-hmm. and I got to know uh, Andy Thornburg pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie about Andy and say he was always the most charismatic or that, you know, his way with words was always the best. But uh, Andy always cared. Yeah. And that was really rare in the community. Yeah. Especially for me as someone who is like, you know, pretty bitter and going through a tough time on my own side. Yeah. Is that he gave it to you. Yeah. Um, he always gave it to you. And the thing was. This guy had, you know, a pretty nasty form of cancer. Yeah. And it just blew my mind that whenever a sailor came into our inbox asking for advice, whenever they needed something, he would do anything in his power to get that sailor what they needed. We have had people come to us talking about suicide. We've had people come to us in complex legal situations, guys trying to say, Hey, I'm going to mast. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Just all this crazy. And I, you know, I don't know why they, they came to us as the reactor is critical. I can't speak for them on why they initiated that conversation, but Andy was always the backstop. Yeah. He was always willing to provide that support. And that really influenced me as a person. And it is what, led to me realizing that I had to grow into this role as, you know, a guy who has a a considerable amount of reach in my little own portion of the Navy. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's trick is kind of a household name among nukes, which is, it's still blowing my mind. Yeah. (laughs) It is. uh, It's not even, it's not even, dude, I can tell you, like, it's not just nukes. It's, I, I talk to a lot of different people. Uh, so my wife works at a shipyard and 
she knows what the reactor is. She's never been in the Navy, like, but she knows what it is. And so it's like, yeah, it goes a little further than you probably even think in your head. Like, even though it blow, it melts your brain to think about its reach currently, like, you'd be surprised how far it reaches. Like, a, I know a lot of non-nukes that follow it as well, just because it's hilarious and we can all sort of relate. So, yeah, and I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, man, it's it has been an experience learning that okay, I'm here now. Like, I might not be the guy who's most qualified to do this, but I am the guy who's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I couldn't bear to, you know, give my baby up to anyone else. Like, uh, you know, call me a control freak or whatever. But I was like, you know, I've I've been making all of this content. I've been talking to sailors. I've been looking at all these comments. Like, I want to see this through to the end. And so we, uh, we started to, I, I tried to reform our content a bit. And I think this was so early on in the development of the reactors critical that a lot of people don't remember it. Okay. But there was a solid transition point where I said, okay, there's no, there's not going to be any fuck the Navy content. There's not going to be any pointless negativity. We are not going to be like these other sites out there. We're not just going to be toxic. That's not what we're here for. I don't want to encourage that. Yeah. And Andy, was all on board for that. And he helped out a lot in, uh, you know, making that vision come true. So fast forward a year or so things are going fine. We done a couple fundraisers and I realized, you know, people really like this stuff and I have some free time for once. So, okay, man, I want to get some experience. Let's make it a small business. Yeah. And so we did. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, it I, was me. I, say again. Uh, no, nah, it's cool. I just I remember seeing the shift a little bit where you guys kind of started to branch out. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to grow. We wanted to we wanted to see how far we could take this stuff. Yeah. And so uh, me, Andy, and the, you know another guy who has you know since left the company for you know his own personal reasons, yeah. not not on bad terms or anything. Um, we made the company and we figured it all out and you know through all of all of this andy was undergoing uh you know his chemo treatment and his you know it was taking a toll on him and i only met this guy like a handful of times in person but when i met him i was like damn dude like you're fucked up right now yeah (laughs) yeah like it was hard for him but he was always there to be the backstop of like you know, he was our finance dude for a bit. He uh, he was the guy doing all the shipping and distributions, and he wanted it. Yeah, uh, we were trying to take stuff off of his plate, and he just wouldn't want us to. Yeah, uh, you know, as as his wife told me once, and uh, you know, he also said it a, a few times. Was uh, the reactor is critical gave him purpose long after the Navy had said. You know, we don't want you anymore. You you have cancer. We can't put you on a boat. We're sorry. We're going to medically retire you. Yeah. Long after, you know, he had he had uh, grown out of his khakis. Long after all of that, he just wanted to be involved with the sailors. Yeah. That's cool, man. <sighs> yeah, man. It was, you know, it was, it was a big influence on me. Yeah. And um, moving forward... You know, uh, last year in about March, late March, um, 
and he just suddenly sent me a message saying, "Hey man, I'm gonna I I need back out of the company," and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what's going on?" Like, yeah. you know, everything was going well with his his, uh, his chemo treatment and stuff. And, uh, you know, I messaged his wife. I'm like, hey, I don't know what's going on with Andy, but, like, we, we can talk about this. What's going on? Because, like, I'm freaking out. Yeah. And then she kind of hits me with a T. Uh, his diagnosis moved to terminal. And, you know, it's not really my place to give the specifics of his medical diagnoses, but yeah. uh, more or less, this was just something completely out of the doctor's control. Yeah. Uh, a few days later, um, you know, I... I fly up, I make sure to go see him, and he uh, he passes away. And just something I've been, like, carrying with me since is, like, I want to make the reactors critical. The community hub, the, the source of information, the source of positivity and humor that Andy always wanted it to be. Yeah. Like, it's just not about me. And I think to an extent, it's not even, you know, about him. It's about the new community. Like, you know, in my mind, I see a lot of, you know, leaders who just, I don't want to say they don't care about nukes, but they often forget about them. Yeah. But I don't. I give a shit about these guys. Yeah. I want to give a shit about these guys. And I like to think that this whole trick thing that I have is, uh, my way of giving back. I know it's kind of small and insignificant. It might just be a blip on some people's radars, if that. But I want to do what I can with it. And yeah, I want man. to do it well. I love it, dude. I love I love that you keep saying that it's not about you. Because that's like the whole... I, I was terrified of this podcast turning into anything, anything else except what I wanted it to be. Which was just like a leadership development platform and resource for junior sailors. And not making it anything about me. And I, I say we a lot and I talk about it like I'm a group of people. It's not, it's just me. Like, I mean, my chief Bob helps me out with some stuff from, from time to time, but like he's only been involved for probably not even a year yet. Um, and he's like just passively involved, like helps me out and gets on podcasts with me a lot and stuff like that. But um, yeah. And you know, I just want to go ahead and go, I've gotten a chance to like really, you know, talk about myself and Andy, but I want to give a big shout out to like the rest of the team. Uh, I want to give out shout out to my fam- my finance guy, my, our social media manager. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our operations manager. I want to give a shout out to our graphic design artist, all of our you know fans and commenters, all the people who've been giving <laughs> us feedback over the years. Like for real, I'm just a dude who found himself yep. <laughs> with an opportunity, yeah. and I cannot do this by myself. And I would like to thank everyone who's been involved That's over awesome. these years. Yeah, I. And I like it. I can't imagine it growing into what it is now without help, too, man. And it's like, and it's not like I haven't had help. I just like it's p- primarily just me. And I have a lot of like, I've I've gained a lot of people as it's grown, man. Where it's just like they're like my buddy Jeff. Uh, he like he says this thing all the time where he's like, when you when you're doing it the right way and you're kind of focused on the it's not about you concept. He's like, the world's going to conspire to help you out. Like he's like, people are just going to come into your life that are going to just, Hey, what put you in contact with a person that you can talk to or like give you an idea or give you a push or help you out with something that you need to help accomplish the goal. But I think it's super, yeah. super cool, man. I, I love like stuff that you guys do is like the, 
I, I've gotten really passionate about talking to um, people like you that do things like this because it's like, I think it's like one of the only mechanisms that you can legitimately deal with the stress and the type of experience that we have and just in the career field that we do is to have outlets like trick and whatever else is out there. You know, like there's a reason all these meme pages exist. There's a reason why there's like all these other mechanisms for sailors to like blow off steam and, and express their feelings. I I think it helps them like, you know, cope with both the humor, but also just giving them uh, a place to, you know, to vent, tell their sea stories, laugh, remember, you know, how worse times were once upon a time, ask for advice from dudes who've been around the block. I mean, I, I say community hub because, like, honestly, the, the content we put out is, like, half the equation. Uh, yeah. The other half is all of these people interacting in the comments, and, like, then we'll get into some fiery debates oh, yeah. down there. yeah, I've been in there a little bit. I've been in some of them, and, like, a lot of the nukes that I've served with, I go back and forth about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but, man, and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm glad that I can provide a medium for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for doing it, man. That's awesome. I'm sure like there's probably as much as you want to profusely thank your team and the people that engage. It's like, I'm sure they want to profusely thank you as well. So on on their behalf, thank you for what you do. Um, I appreciate it. I love it, man. I love it. It's it's amazing. I share you guys' stuff all the time just because I think it's hilarious. But uh, but yeah, man. And thanks for coming on. I I appreciate it. Like just spending the time because like I know. Like I've had listeners in the past or listeners, I've had guests in the past that have been a little worried about coming on and doing this. And so I appreciate you uh, taking the risk <laughs> and I will fiercely protect your identity. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're, you're fine. I'm sure people will probably ask to get I, I usually have people ask to get put in contact with people all the time that I interview. And it's like, you know, the the ones yeah, that. Um yeah, if, if anyone needs to get in touch uh, with Trick, uh, I recommend that you email us at either media at com, or if you need to contact me personally, wayne at com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, just like send us a message on Facebook or yeah. the Twitter or the Instagram, social media people, you know how it works. Yeah, yeah. And I'll put all that in the show notes, like all the places. I can't imagine they don't know you guys, but if they don't, like I'll put all the links to all the things in the show notes so people can find you guys if they want to just enjoy the content or reach out. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. And unfortunately, I I, I hope you guys enjoy that. But unfortunately, when I when I, when I stopped the recording, uh, two seconds later, he said Rick over twenty twenty, and so that's <laughs> I promised him I would name the episode Rick over twenty twenty. Uh, since I didn't capture that uh, in the recording, unfortunately, they're doing a big thing, like a website and it, all this stuff about effectively like a campaign site for uh, Hyman G. Rickover, the founder of Naval Nuclear Power. Uh, and just, <laughs> it's hilarious, number one, but uh, I felt bad that I clicked stop because that would have been funny. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't capture the recording, but uh, to make up for my mistake, I <laughs> named the episode Rickover 2020. You guys should definitely check that out. I will put that website if it's fully up around, uh, which I believe it is, but uh, if it's not, as soon as it is, I'll put that all in the show notes and share that stuff uh, on the social media stuff so you guys can see it. But uh, if you're not already following the reactors, critical, you should be. So go check that out. They're on there. It's a Facebook page primarily. They do other social media accounts as well. I will put all of the things in the show notes. 
notes uh, so you can contact them if you want and uh, follow all their stuff and support them in any way you can uh, very cool I think it's those things are necessary man like the the having a place to go and and interact with people that you can relate to and have those types of conversations and vent and just laugh at the mind-bending stress that is what we do for a living uh it's it's a unique community that only to i mean there's certain things that like quote unquote coners like myself will understand about nukes but then it's like there's a lot of stuff that they do and say that i'm like i don't even know what that means but they do and they get a lot of of like therapy like of mental health like (laughs) release it's like it's cathartic to laugh at yourself and laugh at the stress and the crazy things that you endured while you were on a ship or or that you're enduring right now and they do such an incredible job of of poking fun at themselves and poking fun at others and uh and just laughing like and that was one of the things that wayne was was keyed in on it was just like i love that i get to bring these people like laughs and smiles and put bring a little happiness into their lives because of what what they do it's so difficult and stressful and often feels hopeless uh so it's i just i can't i can't say enough that how much more it is than just a meme page which i think is what a lot of people that are on the outside looking in think that it is like that's primarily what i thought it was until i dug deeper and uh i just everything about it man i love it i support it i think it's great and uh if you can spend time supporting it uh, i encourage you to do so if you need anything from us hit us up don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook messages message us don't give up the ship podcast or you can dm us on instagram or reddit or get on any of the subs that we're active in including our own which is Diga's podcast and uh tell us how you feel interact with us ask us questions whatever uh instagram's at digas podcast the sub and the and my user thing that you can dm me on is digas podcast so if you need anything from us reach out don't hesitate provide feedback tell me i'm a big idiot uh it's fine i got thick skin and i'm always looking for discussion feedback questions if i can help you in any way just let us know and reach out uh and then if you would be so kind uh like share subscribe review on all the platforms for all the things for podcasts and social media and all that it 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 helps when you guys share the content, uh, take the time to put it out there, review it on the platforms. All the algorithms are more kind to us in getting like helping get the word out that there is this resource for the sailors that need it. So we always appreciate that as well. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>